Often in churches today, one scripture will be explained to the church group in a way which denies another scripture. Here is an example of that. Matthew 5.32, Jesus says, But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. If a man divorces a faithful wife, he will be the cause of her committing adultery if she remarries. In 1 Corinthians 7, 10, 11, Paul says, Unto the married I command, yet not I but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. How do these fit together? Well, one of the reasons that it's misinterpreted is Matthew 5.32. Jesus was speaking to the men, not to the women. In the society we live in today, at least in the United States, men and women are said to be equal. The rules are the same for men and women. In the Bible, the rules are not the same for the men and the women. Often the rules differ. In this case, Jesus is saying, if you divorce your wife, if you divorce a faithful wife and she remarries, she commits adultery. In 1 Corinthians 7, there's an instruction that the faithful wife must not go out and remarry. The commandment of the Lord for the New Testament church is this for the women. Let not the wife depart from her husband. But if she does repart, depart from her husband, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. Therefore, she is not free to remarry, though she may divorce her husband. She may leave him, but she better know when she leaves him she cannot remarry without committing adultery. So now, if you look at these two scriptures this way, they fit together. A man could divorce that unfaithful wife without being the cause of her adultery if she remarries. He wouldn't be the cause of her adultery. She's already committed fornication. But if he divorces a faithful wife, and she goes out and remarries, she will commit adultery, and the man who marries her that is divorced commits adultery. So if you read this correctly and compare Scripture with Scripture by the Holy Spirit, it fits together. The Apostle Paul talked to us about perversion in the churches and the perversion that was coming into the churches. Acts chapter 20. Paul called the elders of the church at Ephesus. And when they were come to him, he said to them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, 
which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you, and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Word. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. The elders at Ephesus, there were men sitting there at the moment Paul spoke to them, and he knew they were going to arise, some of them, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. There are people in church groups who explain away Matthew chapter 5, verse 32, and tell women that they can divorce and remarry. They won't commit adultery. God forgives them. He wants them to be happy. So that's a perversion of Matthew 5, 32. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 10 and 11. I don't know how they can explain that away. For it says, it's a commandment of the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. She can't depart and divorce and remarry. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or return to her husband. I just don't think they can explain that away in the churches today, so they just don't speak that doctrine. They just eliminate it and pervert Matthew 5.32 and cause women to think they're free to remarry after divorce. When they're not, they will commit adultery after divorce. There was a woman in our church group who was not born again. She divorced and she wanted to marry this man, but she had been raised Baptist and apparently she had a strong question about whether or not 
she had the right as a divorced woman to remarry. She was raised as a Baptist. So she took her fiancé and went to a pastor and asked him. I don't think he was a Baptist pastor. I don't know. He might have been. I don't know that part. But she went to a pastor, and they sat down with this pastor, and she said, I am a divorced woman. Do I have a right to remarry? The pastor said to her, Well, my sister remarried, and I don't see anything wrong with it. So she went out and remarried after divorce. Then she was born again later, and she was furious with this pastor. And she said to me, I just can't believe he told me this. He should have known better. Well, he should have known better. But she was so angry with this pastor because she knew she committed adultery When she remarried, she was now born again. She saw it in the Bible, and she knew she had committed adultery when she remarried. Well, the Holy Spirit said something to me while I was talking with this woman. I heard, well, but wasn't she committing fornication at the time she went to the pastor? And I said to her, weren't you and Edward having sex at the time when you went to the pastor? Weren't you already having sex? And she said, yes. (laughs) Well, she had no right to be angry with the pastor because she was already committing fornication. Then she went out and committed adultery by remarrying. She was with us 39 years, and she became angry with me and railed out against me, accusing me of things And she departed from us, and I haven't heard from her since. These things are so tricky in the last days. You can't depend on another human being to give you the truth. If you have the Spirit of God in you, why don't you turn to God and ask Him to give you the truth? And then he may have somebody else speak it and you'll recognize the truth when you hear it. Or he may bring it directly to your mind. But for you to just go out and find a pastor and ask him the truth, that's a very risky proposition. You should be asking God. When I lived in Lubbock, Texas, I had a neighbor who really liked me very much. He was dying of cancer at the time, but he really liked me, and I was on radio at that time in Lubbock. I had given him some of my radio broadcast on cassette tape, and he really liked them. He took them to a Methodist pastor and let the pastor hear them. And then he said to the pastor, what do you think? And this Methodist pastor said, Well, she sure knows a lot of Bible. But this pastor actually said to him, I don't know much about the Bible, but she sure knows a lot of Bible. This was a pastor. Well, that is shocking, but I suppose it's not unusual. In these end times, they make up other doctrines and they're taught 
other doctrines by men and they repeat these other doctrines that are approved by their church denomination so long that the doctrines get to sounding real to them. And then they spread them to their congregation. It's like poison. Actually, God gave me a dream about poison gas coming from pastors and speakers. It was a terrifying dream. It was in 1979 that I had this dream. Destruction was everywhere. And now I know God was telling me it was in all of the churches, even as far back as 1979. Destruction was everywhere. In this dream, I went into this room where a man was speaking to a group of people. A second man rushed in and said, Stop. Wait. Can't you see it's too late? It's already begun. Then he disappeared and the first man resumed speaking. Nobody in the room showed any sign whatsoever of being interested in what had already begun. But I was interested. I looked out the window to see what had already begun. I saw a tall pole standing there with a yellow civil defense type warning system on top of the pole. Out of the warning system, I could see a gas, white gas floating out of the warning system, but it was poisonous and it was coming directly toward those of us seated in that room and it was going to kill us. It was so shocking to me because the very thing set up to protect us was going to be used to kill us. The speaker was going to be used to distribute the poisonous gas. I didn't know what it meant at the time I had the dream. I looked to the man in the dream. I looked to the man seated next to me. He was sitting there smiling, big smile on his face as he looked directly at the man speaking to the group. Then I saw it. He was already a corpse. He was dead. I looked at the other people in the room and they were all dead, though they looked alive. And as I sat among them, I began to fall asleep, die. I knew the gas was killing me. What God was showing me was what was happening in the churches. The people speaking at the churches were killing the congregation with a type of doctrine that was false. For the past 20 or 30 years, I have seen this repeated over and over at churches. I went to a non-denominational church one Wednesday night there were about 200 people sitting there. The pastor was speaking from the Gospel John 8, where the woman was taken in adultery. She was taken in adultery and brought to be judged. And the pastor said this, quote, When she was brought in before Jesus, she was naked from the waist up, end quote. I was shocked. I turned and looked at the people in the congregation. These men had great big smiles on their face, lustful smiles, 
thinking and imagining of this half-naked woman and what she looked like. I was horrified. I knew this was not in John 8. The woman taken in adultery, it doesn't say she was naked from the waist up. The pastor added that for sensation to excite the congregation. There was a man in the congregation who's one of the elders, and I knew him from a construction job that we had done. So I called him the next day and talked to him. I called the pastor first and talked to the pastor. And I said to the pastor, where in the Bible does it say this woman was brought in half naked? This woman taken in adultery. Where does it say that? I can't find it. He said, oh, I can't remember. And then I said, well, it's very important to me to know this. So please, would you look this up? And tell your secretary where it is and have her call me. He got silent and then he was very angry. And he said to me, All right, it's not in the Bible. Where do you go to church? I told this story to that elder that I had seen in the church service. By the way, I didn't see anybody else in a congregation of about 200 people who picked up a Bible to check what the pastor was saying. I did. I picked up my Bible and read John 8, but I didn't see anyone else do that. So I told this elder, I said, that's not in the Bible. And he admitted it was not in the Bible when I called him this morning, but he was very angry with me. A few weeks later, I was visiting another church. I was looking for a church that I could attend. I was visiting another church, and I saw this elder. And we went to each other and began to talk. He said, by the way, I asked that pastor why he said that that night. And he said he really didn't know why he said it. It just came up, came to him, and he said it. In James chapter 1, it says, If any man thinks himself to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, his religion is in vain. The elder told me, he said, I'm no longer at that church. Now, he didn't leave for the reason that I gave him of what the pastor had done that night. But he said they wanted to hire a choir director and the pastor wanted to hire a man who was a homosexual to be choir director. And so when that happened, he left. What does God say about homosexuals? Let's review it. Romans chapter 1, verse 26. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use unto that which is against nature. And likewise also, the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. It is not my opinion concerning homosexuals and lesbians. It's what God says. 
its vile affections. And they were given up by God to the vile affections. They were not born that way. They were born male and female in the beginning. But something happened along the way where they were turned over by God to these vile affections to do what they wanted to do. This is what the Bible says about it. We simply agree with the Bible. We speak Bible doctrine to the congregations. There was a time I was watching a secular newscast on television, and they turned to something the Pope said. They had an interview with the Pope, and I couldn't get the channel muted in time. They asked him what he thought about homosexuals, and he said, and I quote, I see nothing wrong with being a homosexual. And I screamed out at the TV, what about the Bible? I have gone from church to church to church and heard speakers teaching things that are not in the Bible, incorrect things, adding sensational things to the Bible, adding their own ideas to the Bible. I've gone to them almost each time that I've heard this and have questioned them. And every time without exception, these men have become angry with me and have struck out against me. I've seen no repentance of any kind coming from them when I have taken correction to them. They just became angry. This has happened over and over and over in the years when I was trying to find a church to attend. Finally, I just stopped trying. And after I stopped trying to find a church to attend, I heard from God that the problem was the restraint had been removed from the churches because they had fallen away from Scripture. And that let Antichrist in to take over. Antichrist does not repent. We see that in Revelation. In the book of Revelation, the various chapters of the plagues. When the plagues came, men did not repent. What they did is blaspheme God and curse God for the plagues. And that's what Antichrist does in the churches. The only thing we can do is come out of those churches when they teach another doctrine, when they teach something other than the New Testament Bible. The only thing we can do is come out. They won't repent. We won't be able to change it. It is too late. It has already begun. But we can take consolation in the information in 2 Thessalonians 2 that it had to happen before Jesus could return. It is happening right now. Therefore, the stage is set. So Jesus could return any time to take the church out, the real church. He's not going to take those people out that are perverting doctrine of the Bible. But the real church, he could return any time if the stage is set. Two things had to happen before Jesus returned. The churches had to fall away from Scripture and set up another doctrine 
In the NASB, that is called the apostasy in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. That had to happen. The second thing that had to happen, the gospel would have to be preached all over the world before Jesus returns. Both of those things have already happened. He may not return immediately, or he could return as soon as the day ends. We don't know. Nobody knows. No man knows. But we know when sin increases, it is like the leaf on the tree showing us soon the season changes. Jesus comes soon when the wickedness increases. When the wickedness is full, to the full in the sight of God, he will send Jesus to take out the church. And those of us who are believers, real believers in the Word of God, in the Holy Bible, and trying to live by the Holy Bible, will be removed from this earth. The earth will then be destroyed by fire. Second Peter 3 tells us exactly how the earth will be destroyed. This is Joan Boney speaking, and thank you for allowing me to share with you today.